Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Duval Mission Podcast. I am really excited to welcome on one of my best friends from college, one of my teammates through for the professional ranks as well as the college ranks. He now lives in Indianapolis, but uh, still near and dear to my heart from our experiences together. The view of Tim Harder with the rest of the world. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, John. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next little bit of just kind of shooting the, shooting the breeze back and forth. Oh man, it's been a while since we've had a chance to jump on a Zoom or a FaceTime. Normally, they were uh, they, they started off during the pandemic and been able to to see that face more times than uh, I care to admit. But the mustache gets better every time I see it, man. You, your dad has the best mustache, but tell us what's the motivation there. Uh, I mean, I think that's that's basically the motivation. Is you know he has a legendary mustache. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of gentlemen we know who, who pull it off. And I just kind of looked in the mirror one day and said, why not? I had a beard going and just said, let's see if this stands on its own. And, you know, here we are. I think I've done it a couple of times since the pandemic, but we're a couple months into this one. I think it's going to stick. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that, that, that'll keep your face warm, man. You won't even need a hat. I love it. Well, Timmy, <laughs> you know, for the, the folks that don't know you, um, you know, I think your story is really unique. You know, we obviously got to know each other in college, but your story pre-college is where I want to start. Just your experience at one of the most legendary high school programs at Garden City, not just on the lacrosse field, but on the football field as well. I would love to learn, you know, how you ended up at Syracuse, what that experience at Garden City was like for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the standard at, at Garden City, very similar to Syracuse is, you know, perfection and winning championships. And, you know, I'm like you, John, to have, you know, older brother that was pretty successful from a, a team perspective, being able to win a, a few championships, football and lacrosse. So as a little kid growing up, you know, when you're at those games and you're playing you know, touch football along, you know, you know, behind the field or you're shooting on a net, you know, watching, uh, it really makes you strive for, for greatness, uh, not only from a personal perspective, but from a team perspective as well. You know, you want those, those team accolades, those championships. And like we have and eventually got to the reasons to get back together. So, you know, for me, you know, growing up, you know, dad coached me playing football when I was when I was little and emphasis on little. Uh, I'm still waiting for that growth spurt. And, you know, it, it was just one of those things where that the standard in Garden City was you played football, you played lacrosse. Uh, you know, was very blessed to, to have legendary coaches in high school, um, Doc Darty and Tom Flatley who alternated, who is the JV coach for football, who, you know, he was the varsity coach for lacrosse and doc, and then flatly with JV lacrosse into uh, varsity football. So you really had great continuity with coaches. They, they knew what buttons to push for you and, and what position to kind of put you in in order to be successful, not only for that particular season, but also for, for the next season that was coming either for football or lacrosse as well. So um, the standard was winning, and that's basically why during my recruiting process, which was unique, I, I was later on. Um, I think when we were, I think when we were getting recruited, John, the norm was like July first, going into senior year, kids started to commit. There may be here or there people a little bit sooner than that, but I didn't know where I wanted to go. I, I was good at some things on the lacrosse field. I wouldn't say I was particularly great, so that kind of put me into that Swiss army knife category a little bit. So, you know, obviously you got to get, you know, you and Joel and, you know, the big guns first and then kind of fill in the pieces from there. And I was looking at division two and division three schools where I could win. You know, I wasn't going to be happy going in and playing a lot 
but ultimately not being able to, to win and be successful as a team. And very fortunate, it, it worked out for me where my uncle played at Syracuse in the 80s and just so happened to kind of poke uh, Coach Simmons III a little bit and say, hey, by the way, my nephew is homeless right now. I think he can maybe come in there and, and earn some playing time over his career. Uh, next thing you know, my football season ends. I'm on the phone with Coach Simmons and December 1st, I'm in Syracuse. Great time of year to visit, by the way. Great time. <laughs> but we you know, went, went to a basketball game, was able to hang out with the team. And I remember landing back in uh, on Long Island the, uh, that Sunday and telling my parents, yeah, cancel my other trips. I'm, uh, this is where I need to be. It's where I want to be. If they're going to take me, I'm in. I know that I'm not going to get there and you know, be a first-line mini day one or, or ever, but there's a way that I can get on the field there and I want to win. That's it. Yeah, I do want to talk a little bit about your recruiting process and just how quickly you made an impact on the program, even though it was a unique path to getting there. Before I do that, I just want to go back to Dr. Hardy. I know you mentioned him. I think anybody that knows Garden City of the Cross probably thinks of Doc early on in, in that that relationship. And I would love to just hear from you on what he meant to the, the lacrosse program at Garden City that has become so historic now. Yeah, you know, he... Um... He was, uh, you know, I actually, I, I loved him even more as a, as a football coach, actually, you know, because there was less pressure on him as a JV football coach than there was as a, a varsity lacrosse coach. But he just was a, a unique individual, old school mindset. I can definitely tell you that I've had plenty of cherry skull all over my face mask from him yelling at me for messing up. But you know what? You learned. Um, you learned a lot from him. Just from watching film, you know, him talking to you, you know, it wasn't always yelling. And one of the things that always stuck with me, and this is, I think, very unique, is before a game in lacrosse, didn't matter whether you were playing a team that you were going to absolutely destroy or if it was, you know, we're playing Manhasset or, you know, Huntington, you know, the biggest games of the year during line drills and no one was allowed to put on eye black during line drills. Doc would come over one by one, put eye black on your face and just say a couple, couple nice words, couple encouraging words. Hey, you know, whether it was specific to an assignment, what we were trying to do game plan wise, or whether it was just, hey, you know what, Let, let's go out there and have one today. Like, I'm feeling it for you. You know, let's go get them. And I think that created a unique bond uh, where, you know, you become closer with some of your position coaches. But for him, that was his few moments. And, and, you know, we recently lost him last year. So, you know, it means a lot looking back, you know, knowing that, you know, you have those just one-on-one -on -one time, but that the bigger picture for him in the program, I mean, you want to talk about setting a standard. I mean, you, you played at a program where, especially as a little kid, you know, I want to play for that guy. And when I do, I do not want to disappoint him because he has set the bar so high that if I can succeed for him, I can go and succeed anywhere, whether it's on the field or off the field. Yeah, that means a lot. And, you know, I had a chance to meet him in the beginning of my coaching career and just the stories that he shared. And you realize how many how many lives he impacted. And uh, even just that small antidote of before the game, that's something I can steal. So I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, I, and then the, the football thing for you, Tim, was always so unique. You know, when you when you commit to a college, you start to find out who your teammates are. And I remember when I saw your name, it was Lax Power. I used to go to Lax Power and see who was going to be in your <laughs> class. And I remember looking your name up. And, and the first highlight I watched of you ever was actually a football highlight. 
and just this, this smaller guy that was flying around and throwing his body around and you were all Nassau County football player. I mean, what was that experience for you? What position did you play? I mean, how much do you miss playing on Friday nights or Saturday afternoons back in garden city? Oh man, it was, uh, you know, the best part about when you get to high school is for the most part, you've been playing since second, third grade with, with your best friends growing up. So being able to, to work our way up the ranks and this is finally our time. You know, I shuffled around a little bit uh, position wise, got to varsity and ended up playing running back, um, rotated in as a, as a junior, found myself on the field, defensive back, you know, settled at strong safety senior year. And then the most fun part for me was, was punt returning and kick returning, uh, particularly punt returning because, you know, it was all, all on me to make the decision as to whether I'm going to field it, call a fair catch, and then get the ball in your hands. And I mean, I'm not going to say that, you know, I was like, uh, you know, Kadarius Tony, but I'm just saying, you know, quick feet just kind of bounced all over the place. But it, it was a blast, um, you know, uh, particularly playing with your friends, finding success. Uh, you know, it, it's something that I, I don't think enough kids think about when they commit to a, a school. Like I'm committing for lacrosse. But then you get there and you're like, wait a second, I have to play lacrosse year round now. And I know it's different because a lot of kids play year round, but it's like, wait, I, I need to get my football fix in somehow. And I think there was a couple of times we definitely, definitely freshman year where there were Saturdays after fall ball ended where we would go out on, uh, on wall and we played football for, I don't know, hours. And there was no lack of intensity there uh, from anybody, but it, I don't think there's anything better than high school football. Yeah, I'm with you. I remember, I remember those days. I remember Tyler Hawati wearing his Ohio State jersey or Max <laughs> Bardig trying to show us who all state quarterbacks look like. And yeah, those are those were some of our best memories. That's I'm just gonna say this: the Hardy left-handed bomb, the harder connection was unstoppable that day. <laughs> unstoppable. Telly football, it's a powerhouse. So I love it. <laughs> you know, and Tim, you mentioned your recruiting process. It was late. But then you go to your stats. I mean, you played in 53 games at Syracuse. I mean, there's kids that can't dream of playing in that many college lacrosse games. And you were a guy that was considered a late bloomer, a late recruit. I mean, you end up at Syracuse. I know you weren't even on that original official visit with the class, but you came in later on in that fall. And then you come in with this, this really unique class. I think our group of guys was really special. You know, what did that mean to you being a part of that class? And then obviously being such a big contributor even early on in your career. Well, I mean, I think, I think we all saw early on what our class was going to be like. And, you know, it was initially intimidating. You know, you see, obviously, you were a big-time recruit. Uh, Ammo, a big-time recruit. Jovan. I know that, you know, Joel, it was, you know, where is he going to ultimately fall? You see how athletic he is. And, you know, you hear about, yeah, you know, he could have gone to BC and played basketball. So it was like, okay, he's going he's gonna to find his way on the field. You know, and then, you know, Stephen Keogh, who can close his eyes and, and hit the net. I know this because, you know, the net doesn't move. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you, you, you find a way to want to be a part of it. And how am I going to ultimately contribute? You know, you see what our class was going to shape up to be and how many people started to contribute on game day as freshmen. And you kind of look at it one of two ways. Okay, I, I can sulk and be pissed that I'm not on the field like I used to. Or you can kind of just say, you know what? Like, I want to be there with those guys. We can have, you know, three years, two years, whatever it ends up being by the time I break that, you know, break through and start playing in whatever role. 
you want to be able to share that with your buddies. That way after the game, you know, when everyone's kind of talking and recapping, you know, you're a part of it. And I think that was, that was a big driver for me, seeing how great everybody else was and wanting to make sure that I was in, you know, that same conversation and wanting to be able to contribute on game day. You know, Tim, when I look back, I always think of you as, as such an integral part of, of that defense, especially those those last two years when we were putting up those record low numbers, at, you know, for a Syracuse defense. But if you look back at your roster, you're, you're listed as a faceoff specialist at one point. I mean, you took nearly 70 plus draws. I mean, that was a different age of lacrosse. But I mean, you were kind of, you know, you mentioned earlier, Swiss Army knife. That's uh, how difficult was that to do? And now looking back, how unique was that? <laughs> um, you know, the. When we got on campus, we had obviously Danny Brennan, who I think is one of the all-time greats, especially within Syracuse as a face-off guy. So you see, okay, he's going to take just about every draw. Um, hey, I took face-offs. I don't really know what the heck I'm doing in terms of technique and all that. I just know that at the end of the day, worst case scenario, we got athletes on the wing. Let me just see if I can screw things up and create you know, a 50-50 shot or you know, something that could bounce our way. And working with coach Donahue, one of the best parts about him was he didn't try to make everybody follow in Danny Brennan's footsteps. You know, you can't have five faceoff guys that are exactly the same. And, you know, honestly, the, the faceoff drills and the three on three ground ball drills we did looked way more fun than like the one-on-one two-on-two stuff that you guys had to do. So it didn't hurt being a part of those drills, but it was just another way to, to, maybe get on the field. And, you know, there was a, obviously a, a massive void when Danny graduated. So in 2009, you know, we had Jake Moulton and what do you know, game two, he, or game three, whatever it was, he hurts his thumb and is out a couple of weeks and it's okay. We need to figure something out and it's going to be face off by committee. And that was, it was pretty unique and it was pretty awesome. I have to say though, taking the opening face off of the game, whew, that's a little nerve wracking, especially with those, those old rules where if you jump, you have to sprint off the field. You want to see Coach Desco's vein pop out of his head. Do that a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, man. You know, I, I can't believe that, that, that you know, that, that impact that that had, you know, on the game, you know, early on in our career. But then, you know, you become a staple of, of the defensive unit your junior, senior year. That picture of all of us sits on my desk right now. Um, you know, we, we, we coined ourselves the forest. You know, we had no goal Thursdays in, in the midst of us building our team right now and, and really having these really important days. You know, tell us a little bit about like what that identity was on the defensive end, you know, in your time there. I think it was pretty simple. I think it was, it just came down to pride. I don't think any of us wanted to be beat. And I don't think that anybody wanted to let anybody else down. So, you know, Kevin gets beat. I get beat. You know, John gets, or, you know, I'm sorry, John Lade never got beat. But, you know, whoever it was, we were going to have, have their back, you know, on the off chance that they got beat. But it was also, you know, we, we kept it simple. If you're going to get beat, you get beat to a spot. And we're going to have your back. And we're going to make sure that, when you think you have an open lane to throw it to, it's going to get knocked down or, or picked off. You know, the forest, you cannot pass through the forest without hitting a branch. I think that's a <laughs> science. Um, but I, I think that we all just had that mindset of like, especially, you know, you joke, no goal Thursdays. There, we did not let anybody on our own team, including our first line midfield and our first line attack. They weren't allowed to score. And, you know, you put that chip on your shoulder 
And I still think that they're trying to score, honestly. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. It was a real thing. I mean, I, I can't imagine not scoring at practice, but there were days where it, it, it was really difficult for them to get a good shot. And I was, I was the benefactor of that being able to sit behind you guys, but, you know, watching that identity now and thinking as a coach, how do you create that type of attitude and that type of chip? And I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, Tim, one of the re main reasons why I wanted to have you on today, obviously the lacrosse, the X's knows that was all fun, but I think the most unique thing about you that we're trying to build here at Jacksonville is just the identity of program and, and how much that meant to you at Syracuse and, and the relationships you have with the coaching staff, the alumni, the current players, how you give back, but also even just people associated with the program, you know, people that used to come to the tailgates and people that used to come support us that weren't our friends and family. Um, yeah. I would love to just hear from you why that was so unique, why that made your experience so great as you. Well, you know, I mean, not every day is an easy day. Um, you know, everybody, especially as a college kid, you know, you go through ups and downs, you know, in, in life in general. And then when you throw the lacrosse part into it or any, any, any part of, uh, of competition into it, you know, you're going to have your good days and your bad days. And the best part about the Syracuse program was if somebody was celebrating with you, you know, on Memorial Day in 2008, they were there in the parking lot 2010 after the season ended with a loss. And whether that was an alum, a former player, former coach, the fans, I mean, the fan base in Syracuse is, is absolutely incredible. And the support that they put, put out there for us day in and day out was incredible. And, you know, we were basically professional athletes when you think about it with the, the fans and the interaction and, and that brotherhood that, that goes generations. And I think that really it all comes down to everybody for the most part has been there, done that, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. So, you know, someone's gotten beat to give up a, a, a key goal. Someone scored a key goal. Someone's won a championship, lost a championship. And you have that bond at the end of the day of, Hey, you know what? We all worked our butts off and achieved this. And then we all did this off the field and had a great time and the connections and, and our families getting together. Now, as we get older, it, it's just so unique that I think when you're building a program, you, you want to have the, the mindset of growth from class to class to class, whether, or, and, and by growth, I mean, you know, those, the relationship growth, you know, sharing stories, you know, everybody, everybody was better as a player back in the day, the older they get, but you know, the, those 6am lifts and practices and, you know, the 440 tests where everybody was throwing up and, and seeing stars the first time we did it. And then, Hey, you know what, we're running it in the snow and nobody's wearing shirts and, you know, we're all making it. So you have those stories that can go from generation to generation, class to class and it, it just creates that, that unbreakable bond of, Hey, we've all been through this. Like, how can I help you then, um, on the field, off the field, how, you know, internships, career advice, Hey, you know what you're going through, you know, a terrible class. Let me tell you how I was able to do it, you know, get this help, get this help. Um, so I think that that's where it all stems from. It's just, you know, that love for, for the opportunities that were provided to us and wanting to help that next, that next group. Yeah, Tim, you shared that story. And it's funny. I shared that with our team during the 440 test this fall, 
was was that day, which I believe was an, actually an optional run. Uh, the day that it was snowing, it was before mm-hmm. everybody was going home for the holidays. We were on Woolfield, and we ran the 440 test. I don't even think it was un- it was unbeknownst to us until Hale told us when we got there. And again, it was it was voluntary. It was one of those yeah. things that you did not have to be at. And to this day, that's still one of my best memories at Syracuse. And really, it's the games and the scores and even the championships. I don't really remember details of those days but I remember that day like it was yesterday. I, I can tell you, I can tell you that day. I can tell you a couple different, you know, 7 a.m. days when we were in the weight room. Um, it, it's that, that bonding, it, it's, it's off, off the field. It's non-lacrosse stuff. I mean, obviously you have some fun at practices. You know, we obviously had a blast. We we're talking about no, no goal Thursdays, but anytime you're together and, you know, you quote unquote suffering together, you got to find a way to, to, to make it fun. And I always remember we would be getting, you know, our butts kicked by Hal. And one of the things that I loved about him was he never really told us what we were doing until it was over. Cause he didn't want to have that, that mental block of, all right, we got four more, or, you know, I, I can coast through the next three and then I'll go hard on the last one. But anytime he was doing that, you look over and Jeremy Thompson will be smiling ear to ear. And you're like, what is wrong with you? Like I'm dying right now. My hamstrings are knots. I want to throw up. I want to just curl into a ball and go to bed. And he's like, dude, this is awesome. We are we're, we're Syracuse lacrosse players. Like what is better than this right now? And you really got that appreciation, especially with him and his journey to get to Syracuse and how hard he worked. We're like, you know what? You're right. Life's pretty damn good right now. Even though I'm miserable and I can't feel my fingers and just frozen. And for some reason, I have my shirt off while it's snowing out, but we're running and we're having a blast together doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember. It's funny that, you, you know, you share these things. I think about with our team, you know, as soon as you, uh, you know, I remember looking at our strength coach, Hal Luther at the time, who's now with the Buffalo Bills, uh, greatest team in the AFC right now. Yeah, I knew, um, knew you were going to slide that. <laughs> Love Hal and death. <laughs> but we used to talk about it as a team, like he wouldn't tell us. And, and even going through our guys right now, you, when you know what's coming, it's easy to get through. It's easy to maybe survive. Versus I remember looking at him every time he told us to get back on the line and, and you wanted to just mother F him, but it, it made us tougher. It made us tougher in the moments that we needed to be. And I appreciate sharing that because it's stuff that our guys are going through right now in the midst of the season where you don't get the reward of a game and you don't have the end of the yeah. rainbow at the end of the week. And, and you still have to kind of believe in process over, over outcome. So um, that's really cool. I appreciate sharing that story. Um, I know I, I want to be respectful of your time, Tim. I do just want to wrap up with, you know, obviously, you know, you had a chance to play professional lacrosse together. You had this amazing experience. You actually got coaching for a little bit, lived in Baltimore. Now you're, now you're outside of maybe the, uh, the normal geographic location of lacrosse. You're out in the Midwest. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing and, and what's next. Uh, there is no lacrosse for me in my life uh, with a stick in my hand, but I do enjoy, do enjoy watching, um, particularly when the spring comes around. But yeah, no, work, work for a software company out in the Midwest. Um, people look at me kind of funny when they're like, well, you moved from New York and Baltimore and you had all that action out there. What are you doing here? Um, the answer to that is I really have no idea. Um, <laughs> just, just enjoying life out here, you know, do stuff, uh, you know, out in nature, hiking, uh, paddleboarding, things like that. But other than that, just trying to live the dream and staying Constant contact with, you know, you and all the other guys that we played with, um, you know, obviously we're, we're all scattered throughout the country now at this point, but, you know, this platform we're on right now gives us a, a great excuse to always get back together um, in between all the awesome trips that we have. 
I appreciate that, man. And I'll leave it with this, you know, in the back of your background zoom right now is two Syracuse helmets. And I think that just points to the pride that you had, the experience that you had, um, you know, with your, with your particular college and, and really what we're trying to build. So I appreciate you taking the time to share some of the stories. Cause I think they resonate with the guys that are going through the, going through the shit right now. So thank you. You know, I love you. And I look forward to catching up with you soon, buddy. Have a safe trip today. Hey, John, thanks for having me. Love you. And you know what? I, I hope that all your players can take away this last message. If you're throwing up, it's because you pushed yourself. If you're not throwing up on those days where other people are, you got to push it on that next one and, and see if you can get to that point. Unless you're Joel and you're you know, in freaking sensational shape and you never throw up. But I think I've seen him once. We don't have any, we don't have any Joel, so we better be going. <laughs> All right, Timmy. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. I love you, John. Take care, man.